Welcome to episode number 12 of Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you find a career you love, start a business, and generally crush it at life. I'm Justin Gordon, your host and an MBA student in the class of 2020 at the USC Marshall School of Business. I've had my hand in entrepreneurship and business since 2012 when I launched Just Go Fitness and now with Just Go Grind. In this episode of the show, we have Dominique Moss, who has her own coaching company called Lead with a Twist, and she has tremendous amount of experience in international education. She's from France, she's worked in the Philippines, worked in Hong Kong, and now in New York City. We go over all of that, including how she actually got kidnapped when she was taking a year off from working. She was traveling the world, surfing, and ended up getting kidnapped. Horrible experience, had to go back to France. We talk about that, we talk about what makes a great career, why she started Lead with a Twist, and so much more. The show notes are over at justgogrind.com slash podcast, and you can support the show over at patreon.com slash justgogrind. Lastly, please leave a rating and review over in iTunes. Just search Just Go Grind. Hope you enjoy this episode with Dominique Moss. Dominique, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. Good morning. I know we had we had a chat a few weeks ago. It's, it's been a while. I've been in business school, so things have a lot of things have been happening, let's just say. So it seems like we talked years it ago. Does, but. <laughs> but it's all good. It's all good, exactly. Uh, we got connected through Christina Calabrese, which I have to mention with everyone who she has connected me with because there have been so many people that she's connected me with. And I'm curious what your involvement in that group, Dreamers, Doers, how you got involved with it and what, what it's been like for you. Yeah, um, well, first, Christina is amazing. Um, and the group is uh, is really, it's a, it's a, it's a high-impact community of trailblazing women. And it's basically... The most amazing thing that's happened to me in this journey uh it's a it's a wonderful group where um all of us really get strength from diversity we we share um ideas resources opportunities we ask questions we allow ourselves to be vulnerable it's uh it's just such a, a beautiful beautiful space um and how i got involved with it was by absolute accident, when I when I um, <laughs> I completely uh, left my job, and a friend of mine was um, helping me out with some some paperwork stuff, and she said, "You know, I'm going to ask my friend Lindsay if she has any advice for you." And her friend Lindsay said, "You know, she really should join Dreamers and Doers." And I had no idea what it was. I I thought, you know what? Why not? So I looked it up, and and um, I was I was interested, but I really wasn't sure what it was all about. I filled out the application, forgot about it because the intake is every three months, and I was at the very beginning of those three months, so I totally forgot about it. Three months later, got an email saying, "We'd love for you to apply," and so I did, and uh, and it changed my life. It completely changed everything for me. Um, what about that group for you made it so powerful? Um, I think it's two things. I think the first one is really the the ability to just say, I'm struggling with something, to just be vulnerable and say, look, I have no idea how to do this. Um, I need some help. And a lot of us, you know, we're strong, independent women. We don't want to ask for help. <laughs> um, and this group has really allowed me to learn how to do that. So that's number one, I think, for me. And number two is the inspiration. 
there are so many women from so many different fields who do so many amazing feel- things that it just it keeps you going you know you 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 just look at all of the achievements of the group and it, it's just outstanding so it, it really keeps you motivated it keeps you stimulated you're always learning something new um I come from a, a background in education, so I've always worked in school. And in schools, you're very sheltered. And there's not a big need to learn about the rest of the world around you. Um, <laughs> or, or I'd say the world of work, you know. And, and so for me, it was, uh, it was just wonderful to have access to all these women who were in, in so many different industries and learn through them about their industries. So I think yeah, the, the vulnerability and the uh, inspiration are the two things that are really incredible <laughs> about it for me. Yeah, it sounds like a tremendous opportunity Yeah, to talk with more people, to yeah, share what you're feeling, how you're feeling, and then ultimately everyone improves because of it. Exactly. And it sounds like a great environment. Exactly. Yeah. And you mentioned education. Mm. I know you've mentioned being in international education to me before, and when we talked before, um, I'm curious how you initially got into like international education, traveling all around, and like is that what one of the first things you did coming out of school? I guess. So that was another accident. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, when I when I I left France when I was 18, and I moved to London. When I was there, the plan was to become an English teacher and go back to France and live my life. And I ended up staying stuck in London, fell in love, all those things. Um, and, uh, and so I became a teacher there and I worked in public schools in London for three years. And after a while, just decided it was time to go. And I moved to Barcelona. I didn't have a job when I moved and a friend said, hey, I just saw a, a, an advert for a job in an international school and it sounds like it's just perfect for you. So I applied and got the job and this really started to get me thinking. It was like, oh, wait a minute, I can do this in other places? Like, this is, this is great. <laughs> so, um, so then I was on a trip with my sister and I'll tell you a little bit more about that um, in a little while, but... I was on a trip with my uh, at my sister's place in Africa, and just had this moment of, um, whoa! I need to see the world. I need to see more of this. So I, I yeah. ended up going online when I got back home to Barcelona and uh, looking at jobs all over the world. And that's when it really happened. I got an amazing job in Manila, Philippines, and. That was an outstanding international school, absolutely incredible school, and uh, and that got me going. That was like the beginning of it all. <laughs> How did you know initially like you wanted to teach and get into that type of work? And you know what I mean, like because you mentioned like going from school, you're 18, you moved from France, and then got into some type of teaching. How did you initially decide that was for you? I was one of these people who always knew. Um, ever since, you know, ever since I was a kid, I just knew I needed to be a teacher. And, uh, so that, that was always the plan. And it's, it's funny to me today that I'm not doing that anymore, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, I was one of these, 
I always knew it just had to happen. I had to be a teacher. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then, yeah. And then with the international, you said you were looking all over the world for jobs. Mm. Where were you like looking and how, how did you approach that job search? Yeah, there's, um, so there's a, a, newspaper in the UK called the Times Educational Supplement, TES. And I I knew that they had an international section on the job search part of it. So I went, I started there, basically, and I, I just went and went through it. And I kind of had my mindset on, on, uh, on Southeast Asia, just I'll tell you that story just because. And um, so I started by looking there and then I thought, well, why limit yourself? Look around. But in the end, I only applied to jobs in Southeast Asia. But it started there. It started with the the Times Ed, the Times Educational Supplement. And uh, they have a their, their international se- section has grown tremendously. So to anyone who's a qualified teacher, you have to be a qualified teacher Um in uh, in schools, if you're a qualified teacher and you are interested in traveling and seeing the world in a beautiful way that's safe and fantastic, then that's a good place to start. Um, there are other places that advertise international jobs. Um, I started looking at there's a an organization that I uh, I'm now a trainer for called the International Baccalaureate Organization IBO. And on their website, ibo.org, they also have um, jobs for international schools. There's another organization called CIS, the Council of International Schools, and they also have jobs advertised. So um, a lot of places that if anyone is looking to go and do that, they can do that. And also just looking at the school's websites, um, deciding which country you want to work in, find find the schools that are there, the international schools that are there, and just check out their websites. Yeah, sounds like there's a lot of lot of options if you want to get into that line of work. Yeah. I'm curious, what is for you being in international education? Obviously, if you switch things now, which we're definitely going to get into, mm-hmm. but in the international education, and what was that experience like for you? What did you enjoy the most about it? Oh, I, I don't even know where to start. Um, <laughs> it just, it's a big question, uh, I know. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it, you know, it, it really opened my mind i remember uh so when i worked in in london for example the population was very varied in the school it was a public school we had kids from a whole bunch of different backgrounds but all of them in one way or another were pretty much british um or at least had lived in the uk for the majority of their life a few you know immigrant kids who hadn't but the majority were still British. When I moved to international education and I arrived, especially in Manila, um, and actually my school in Barcelona too, kids were from all over the world and they spoke completely different languages at home. They had completely different cultures, religions, but when they came to school, they all came as one. And that to me is just incredible. And there's a there's a this thing called Third Culture Kid, uh, TCK, and it's basically about these kids who grow up in a culture that's not the culture of their parents. And so they have three cultures. They have the culture that they have at home, the culture of the country that they live in, and usually the culture of the school, which is this third culture 
which involves basically students from all over the world who end up creating their own culture, if you like. Um, <laughs> and it's just it's fascinating. I remember arriving in Manila and uh, my class. So each in, in British education, you have uh, what's called a, a, um, uh, a form a form class basically and they're the kids that you see every day though you might not necessarily teach them your subject you kind of look after them um, throughout the school year and you stay with them um, as long as you're in the school and I remember looking around and it was a kid from Latvia next to a kid from Kuwait and then I had Indian kids and Filipino kids and Japanese kids <laughs> and Koreans and I think you know, going back, I, I'm, I'm digressing, but you, you're going back to your question, what really was incredible for me uh, in my experience of learning was suddenly learning all these different cultures. I, I remember this Korean kid who was so, so quiet and it was really hard for me to talk to her and she wouldn't look at you she would never look you you know look at you in the eyes I didn't know at the time that it was very very impolite for a student to look their teacher in the eyes in Korea and so I never asked her to do it but I remember think, thinking this kid's just not listening to me <laughs> and in <laughs> fact she was just being you know very um, respectful so right. learning all of that and having that diversity all br brought together, it just, I don't know, it, it just opened so much. It, it was fascinating and, and still is to me. Yeah. Yeah. And what you said, you mentioned teaching your subject. What subject were you teaching? I was teaching French. French. So you were teaching French in all these different schools. Uh -huh. And how did you even make the curriculum for that? Did they help you with that? Was that on your own? How did yeah. you approach that? You we know have, what I mean? I'm curious yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have, um, so I, I was uh, head of department in that school in Manila and then in all of my okay. other schools, I was also in administration. And uh, the, the organization I mentioned, the IB, International Baccalaureate, they basically are a... Uh, international organization and a lot I'd say the majority of international schools run the IB programs so within that for some of their programs so for example for the the high school program you actually have a curriculum that you have to follow that is uh, an international curriculum so all schools in the world are given certain topics and depending on the school where you are you can choose to follow some of them or others, but you're, but all schools have this one list, if you like. Um, in the middle school and up to what's the equivalent of 10th grade, we designed our curriculum based on the British national curriculum because we were a British school and in both of the schools where I worked in Asia, because we were British schools, we would basically base ourselves on that a lot of our kids, even though they were not British, would end up going to university in the UK. So that's what we would do. But it was pretty awesome. And in my school here in, uh, in New York as well, that even though we based the curriculum on the British curriculum, uh, mm -hmm. we had free reign over what we wanted to do. 
So there was this aspect of, you know, the, the teacher's dream of creativity and like <laughs> yes. being able to being able to do what you thought was right. And so as a as a leader, you know, to have this open door for you and your staff to just come up with whatever you think will be amazing for these kids is just is the dream because living the dream <laughs> <laughs> how, did, how did you evolve that curriculum then over time with the you know some of the creativity flexibility you had and then having years of experience how did that ch change for you yeah um you know a lot of it, it it was it was awesome to be able to every year if something big happened in the world we could include it um if a new song came out that was awesome about a certain topic, then we could include it in the curriculum if a new movie came out. So it, it really allowed us to stay current for our kids and just to continue to, to dig. And the other thing is um, when we first, I remember when I first started in Manila, we had to build so much. But when we, when I left, I remember the curriculum looking ever so different because we learned more and more about the programs, about the school, the way our kids functioned, and we learned to push them more and more. And I think that's where the evolution really happened. Um, when I got to Manila, it was a pretty new school. And so the curriculum wasn't fixed. So really being able to continue to really push these kids who wanted, they wanted more. There was a culture of learning that was incredible. And so I think the evolution is really there. It's being able to stay current, but also learning to create a curriculum that would constantly push everybody, allow everyone right. to perform at their level and push everybody and and through that process i know one of the big things is feedback so you can't change anything if you don't have feedback you don't know what's working what's not how did you get feedback from either students or from other people like how did you get feedback to then know, you know this is working this isn't working or how did how did you approach that yeah we we were um very very open to feedback and there was there were many different channels um for us to to look at it so in terms of the the teachers, obviously we had you know systems for um, evaluation and and all of that, but also uh, a lot of peer observations, peer evaluations. So we had teachers coming or, or coming and going into each other's classrooms, and it wasn't about evaluation; it was about growth. And so there was this open door policy where pretty much anyone could walk into anyone's classroom and observe and the feedback was always welcome. Everyone was treated as a professional who knew what they were doing, which means that they felt safe in being observed and in receiving the feedback. They knew that it was about growth. And that I think was really, really amazing. Um, <laughs> from the kids, it was it was openly asked of them that they would give feedback. So at least once a year, um, they were asked anonymously, uh, anonymously, I can never say this word properly, um, <laughs> anonymously to, to give feedback. Yep, yep. Um, so, it, and it was up to the teachers. It wasn't imposed on anyone, but um, I would say 
80% of the teachers would do it. We had a feedback sort of questionnaire that we would send the kids and ask them to, to fill it in. And they might do it and they might not, but it was always anonymous and it was um, super helpful to know what works, what doesn't, what you like, what you don't like. Um, and also, you know, as a teacher, you learn, you learn to read your students, right? You know, when you, it's like with any job, I think you do something and there's times where you come out and you're like, I was freaking awesome. <laughs> like I <laughs> totally killed this, you know, and you can, you can totally read it in your kids. And there's times where you come out and you're like, oh my God, that did not work at all. Like, I, I have to scrap this activity or this topic or this whatever it is. And you, you kind of, you learn to read that. So there are plenty of ways that we, you know, we could know if, if something was working or not and if we needed to change anything. Right. So you were getting informal feedback, you know, every day from students, essentially, even yeah. though you only had, you know, once per year, you did a more in-depth feedback type of thing. You, you're still reading your students. So you're still getting that feedback in that form. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. And then how long were you in Manila at that school? Uh, four years. Four years. And then where did you go from there? So after those four years, it was a, uh, it was a big question. It was, uh, Manila can be, um, Manila can be tough, you know, and sometimes as a, a single woman, it was it was hard. Uh, it was hard to meet men. It was hard. Uh, and I, I had a, an amazing group of friends, uh, you know, that I, I surf. And so I, I was surfing all the time and that was fantastic. But there came a point where I felt that I needed I needed something else. And I wasn't quite sure if it was education or if it was my personal life or I, I really didn't know and uh, I remember calling my dad and and crying on the phone in fact and saying that I I just signed a contract for two more years but I, I just don't think I can do it I'm, I'm and I don't know what to do it's April it's late the international schools recruit very early around January so I was like, it's late. I don't know if I can get a good job, and and I kind of just need a break. And my dad, in all his all his amazing wisdom, asked me two questions, and he was like, "Do you have money?" And I said, "Yes, I have money saved <laughs> up." And he was like, "Then, what about what about not working for a while?" And I was like, "Oh, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> That sounds so, great. <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds amazing. So I was like, you know what? I have savings in the bank. Um, you get paid pretty well in, in Asia. So I was like, I have savings in the bank. I'm just going to go surf. And uh, and I did. And so took a year off and I ended up going to Central America, surfed uh, for a month in Nicaragua. And then I was uh, kind of kidnapped and um, not for a long time, just for like a few hours, but it was enough to, for them to take everything from me. And so I had to go home to France because I basically, I, I literally just had my passport left and like they were kind enough to leave some clothes for me. So, um, uh, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait. I just don't. Oh my God. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. They stole everything from me surfboards, computer, everything, everything. Um, wow. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was tough. It was tough. So I, uh, I had to go home, um, call my dad in France. It was like five o'clock in the morning. 
and that was after two days of craziness and no 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 that was the first day I, I had to stay with someone at the French embassy this woman was amazing let me stay at her place and through Skype I was able to get money everything anyway long story but I called oh my, my dad I had to go home went back to France and you know my confidence was not so high in terms of traveling by myself but I also could not stay at home I was getting bored I was just uh, so I decided to go back to Bali where I had a, a whole lot of friends who lived there and from Manila I used to go there pretty much like I'd say at least four times a year to surf so I was like you know what I'm just gonna go and get myself a little house in Bali and just surf for the rest of my year off and that's what I did and I, I used Bali as a base traveled to India traveled other places surfed my butt off and um <laughs> in uh in January of that year, um, my the the head of the high school in Manila had moved to Hong Kong, and he called me. He sent me a message. No, he sent me an email. And he said, "Hey, there's a job going in my school, head of department. I think you'd be amazing at it. If you're interested, let me know. Um, here, here are all the details." And at that point, I was like, okay, I'm going to need a job in September when school starts again. So, and I'm ready to go back to education. So I applied for the job. Um, I got it. I remember being on a, on a roof terrace in India when I got the call <laughs> and I was having breakfast with this, this guy, Tom, that I'd met there. And we we'd been traveling together for a couple of weeks and I got the call and it was like, okay, I guess I'm moving to Hong Kong. And, uh, <laughs> And that was it. And I moved to Hong Kong um, that September and stayed there for three years. And oh. it was amazing. Okay, we have to go back a little bit. <laughs> this, this time off. So in total, you had a year, more yeah. than a year? Technically? Uh, a year, a year. Uh, yeah, a year, okay. I, so I finished school in, in June uh, 20, 2009. Okay. I want to say, yeah, June 2009 traveled yeah for that year and then started school in uh end of august 2010 yeah okay in that year off so you're surfing every day or as many days as you can i assume yeah. Yeah. um what else was beneficial about that break just mentally figuring things out what, what was helpful about that yeah this is a, a great question I, I always say that you you have to slow down to speed up you know and that slowing down that um that time to just not think, not not have to think about anything. I, I literally, all I had to worry about was, you know, what's the swell doing today? What's the wind doing today? And uh, <laughs> what movie am I going to watch tonight? <laughs> you know, what, like what book am I going to read this afternoon? Like that, that was, I, I was very privileged to have the money to be able to do that. Um, but the benefits were just, just that, really being able to question, you know, being away from everything and being able to question, okay, what am I actually doing here? What am I doing with my life? Do I want to continue to be working in education or is it time to move on? What happened in Manila where my perspective shifted so much from loving that, loving my life there ever so much to feeling that I was kind of trapped there and 
and it's all in the head, right? We, we know this, but um, it allowed me to really reflect on that. It allowed me also to really expand my horizon. Surfing is an incredible world. It's um, You meet people from so many different walks of life, right? So many people surf. It, it's incredible. And so talking to all these people, meeting all these people who were uh, traveling, who were locals in the places where I served, who just allowed me to really consider, okay, oh, that's a cool job. Maybe I can do that. Oh, maybe that. And it, it just it gave me that time to really think and reflect and pause. And I think that's one of the things that I encourage everything to everyone to do, not take a year off, but um, I mean, of course, take a year off if you can, <laughs> but really just to take that time to reflect and, and pause. We, we all need that and we don't give ourselves that time. So that was the main benefit of it. So take a year off if you can. That's <laughs> You had the whole year off to surf and hang out and yeah, then you yeah. end up going to Hong Kong. Yes. And then you said you were three years in Hong Kong? I was, yeah. And that was international school. How yeah. did that compare to Manila, the, the school and everything? Um, the school was much more established. It had okay. been, uh, it was a, a, an older school. It was bigger much bigger so I suddenly was heading a department of 13 people and uh, I had six or seven Chinese teachers because of course it's China and so there was that and so the the challenges for me in terms of uh, leading a team of teachers from across the world was uh <laughs> was huge you know I came from a small school in Manila where there were four of us in the department and going to Hong Kong with 13 including six I think it was seven I can't remember six or seven Chinese teachers who were very Chinese and I wasn't and so I had to learn to lead you know in in different way and lead across cultures and and so that was a fantastic challenge it again, allowed me to learn so much. Um, and the school, the school, just like Manila, actually, that's not a difference because I think both schools were the same in that way. The school was incredibly forward-thinking and uh, avant-gardist in many ways. We, as a, as a curriculum team with all the other heads of school, uh, heads of department, we would challenge each other's perspectives, challenge each other, create opportunities for all of the staff to truly grow. And it resulted in a, in a school where students from, again, not only different backgrounds culturally, but also, you know, cognitive abilities um, were able to excel. And just, we had incredible results. We did in in neither of those schools was there a uh, you know a, a test for entry or anything. It was anyone's welcome. Um, there were huge waiting lists, but we took in everyone, and all of these kids grew from this amazing team of teachers who were so dedicated to to really um, to really increasing teaching and learning, and so. I don't think it was a difference, I guess, from Manila because 
I think it was the same, but I think the fact that it was bigger and more established um, at that time meant that we had more opportunities. Right. But um, yeah, it was it was incredible, absolutely incredible. This uh, you know this this real teamwork where you you know you you it's like you can feel the growth in every body there. Right. <laughs> it's it's pretty amazing. And then how did that transition into moving on from there? Where did you go even from there? Um so from there I I moved uh, I so okay I went to New York on vacation in 2012. Okay. I was uh have you heard of Couch Yeah, I've actually done that's the, how I met Christina. Okay. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's amazing. So I used to host a lot of people in Hong okay. Kong and uh, I hosted this guy who lived in New York, Spanish guy, uh, my amazing friend, Fernando, if he listens, hi. Um, <laughs> hey, Fernando. He, um, he, uh, he came to stay with me in Hong Kong and he was living in New okay. York. And that summer of 2012, I was like, you know, I'm going to go visit my best friend in Vancouver. She's Filipino, but moved to Vancouver. So I was like, I'm going to go visit her in Vancouver. Since I'm in Canada, I might as well go to Quebec because I'm French and I've got to see it. <laughs> and since I'm in Quebec, it's so close. I might as well go to New York. So um, called up Fernando. I was like, can I crash? And he's like, of course. So I stayed with him and I just fell in love with New York. I was like, oh, okay, this this is it. Next up, New York City. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I went home and I back to Hong Kong. I, you know, mulled it over and it was really kind of like, it's, it's just got to happen. I just got to go live right. there and you're going to laugh, but I, I went to see a psychic and, uh, and she was like, oh, you're going to move again. And I was like, yeah, it's totally happening. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty funny. And then that was on a Saturday morning. And on that, on that Saturday, I made an appointment with my head of school. It was in October. And I made an appointment with my head of school for Monday morning, 7.30. And I, I told her, I was like, Jane, I, I, I just want you to know that, of course, I'm going to finish the school year. I'm going to be here, but I'm going to leave uh, at the end of the school year in June. And I'm moving to New York. And she was like, wait, wait, do you have a job? And I was like, no, but I'll get one. <laughs> you know, I'll find one. <laughs> Jobs there. <laughs> and uh, I literally, like, every day I'd, I'd, I had, like, Alicia Keys in my in my <laughs> headphones. I was like, I'm totally this doing is... <laughs> this. And uh, <laughs> it was it was just, you know, a little of attraction type thing. I was like, I'm, I'm attracting this. I was vision boarding it. I was like, and... Um, and I was really putting it out there. I told everybody, everybody I knew, hey, I'm moving to New York. I had a few friends in New York. Any opportunity you hear, anything, tell me, tell me, tell me. I, I really put it out there. I posted about it. And uh, and then I had an opportunity to, so someone from the school where I moved here in New York contacted my school in Hong Kong. Uh, because we were piloting a program for the, the IB, the International Baccalaureate, and she wanted to know more about it. So the person she contacted told me, hey, maybe you should, you know, be in touch with this woman because you you never know. So I was in touch with her and I, I said, look, I'm, I'm going to New York on vacation soon. I'd love to come and visit your school. 
and it all kind of happened from there. A job became available there, and um, and I I went for it, and I got it, and I, I'm it's it's the Dwight School, and I'm so grateful to them because I went there, and I I got the opportunity to live in New York, and they they uh, yeah they gave me that opportunity really back to them. I. I I, I totally, you know, overhauled their their language department of twenty teachers. Like I, I yeah, you, I you did back. a fair amount but, uh, for them. It sounds like yes, yes. So what yes, I did, I did. But oh, it, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say, ahead. what was the what was the role there at at that school? Yeah, I was also um, so I was heading the language department as well. I had uh, twenty in-school teachers, about 15 external teachers. It was an international school. And so we had a lot of kids who needed to learn their mother tongue. So I was coordinating that. And uh, just again, working with the leadership team to create good leadership in the school. Um, So it was similar to the other schools but different in terms of the size of it it was uh and you know i was talking about leading across cultures earlier it was even more of that (laughs) (laughs) it was it was kind of crazy yeah um so many different cultures in that one department so many different people and when you have a you know two spaniards and colombians and uh peruvian and then a chinese person from mainland and so one from Hong Kong, no, from Taiwan. And then you had French people and Belgian and Americans. And it was, it was kind of crazy. Yeah. It sounds like it. Um, <laughs> and awesome. Awesome at the <laughs> crazy same time. And awesome. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so that was, that was the role. And it was, uh, you know, when I walked in, I, I literally walked into an office that I, and I'm not even kidding. There wasn't a paperclip in the office, not a pen, not a paperclip, <laughs> like nothing. Um, so I built everything. I built all the systems for them, all the, like, yeah, everything. And, uh, and it, was, it was great. It was a really good uh, challenge and, uh, and it was a lot and, of fun. And again, an, an amazing team of teachers. And how, how long are you there for? Four years uh, there four as well. Years. I think we're getting close to lead with a twist. <laughs> we are. <laughs> so I want to keep going through your journey. So what, what came next from this school? Yeah. Um, so again, um, you know, I think it's just in my nature. <laughs> I don't know. I can't, I can't stay in one place. I always have to find a new challenge. It became, it came to a point where I had established all the systems. I had everything ready, I, you know, and, and everything was going really well, and and I didn't quite feel the challenge anymore. I, I was like, okay, this is good, like, but I'm not growing anymore. I, I didn't feel that I was learning or growing or doing anything different. And I think it's a big part of what I do in my job now um, is encourage everyone to expand, you know, and continue to learn constantly because. If you don't, then that's when you might as right. well start dying. <laughs> like you know, you gotta you gotta keep learning, and um, and so I decided that this time, um, yeah, it, I just didn't want to work in a school anymore. I wanted to do something completely different. Um, 
when I did my master's, I, I did a master's in educational leadership and change. And a huge part of it was, uh, or a whole module of it was uh, leader as coach. And so that had always really spoken to me. And I was coaching teachers in school. And I just thought, you know, this is, this is really something I want to do. And I want to work with adults. Um, I'm a trainer for the, the International Baccalaureate. So I go to schools and I, I train them in the program, t- teachers. And I really loved it. I loved adult education. And I thought, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's where I go. And uh, so I started exploring. I had this idea of creating workshops, which would include yoga in them. And I started doing that, putting together some workshops. They worked out really well. People loved them. But then I realized that I didn't love teaching yoga. And I didn't love, uh, I just didn't love, yeah, having them and having it so much in the workshops. And so it was, uh, it was a really tough realization. You know, that moment where you're inv- you've invested so much in something. And suddenly you're like, that's not really what I want to do. And uh, it's so hard to let go. You know, there's this this uh, concept called sunk cost fallacy that you, if you've invested, you have to keep going. And it took me a lot of talking to a coach and working on myself to just be like, no, let it go, let it go. And I started to, you know, admit it to friends and just be like, you know, I think I don't really like it. <laughs> and And friends were like, what and that didn't help because it was like oh well maybe you're right maybe i should keep going um and some people were just like no if you don't like it just let it go and so i just let it go and that's really i feel when everything really took off you know when i started to really seal it with a twist uh become what i wanted it to become and what it is today and when I also joined Dreamers and Doers, it was just just after that. And yeah, that's when it really changed. So that's how the transition sort of happened. It was a lot of, I call it my year of exploration. Um, it was a lot of exploration, a year of trying things out, failing, trying other <laughs> things, working out that I didn't like them. <laughs> and um, so, yeah. So what is, so lead with a twist. Tell me about it. What is it today? What are you doing with, with the company? Yeah, I am. uh, So I'm doing a lot of uh, private clients, one-on-one coaching um, and I design and lead workshops. So the whole idea of the work is to, to help others see the possibilities hidden in their blind spots. It's really opening the door. I was talking earlier about, helping people to slow down so they can speed up. Um, it's really about that. And so what I do in, uh, I've just redesigned my coaching packages. So I'm super excited and I'm now including yoga nidra in them, which is the one part of yoga that I've kept. It's a, it's a deep relaxation technique. So we'll have a coaching session and then I'll take you through a deep relaxation for about 30 minutes to really process whatever okay. we talked about. Um, so it's really taking that time to integrate the conversation. I find that a lot of times I was coaching and someone would have really great insights, but then, uh, 
we would set some actions, but I felt that there wasn't enough time to really integrate that insight or that understanding. And we need process time, right? We need to know our brain needs to just let go for a while. And if we keep thinking, talking, we can't have that away time, which is necessary to have more insights. So with both the coaching one-on-one and the workshops, I I really want to give my participants this time to just reflect and pause and really, really just let go. And uh, there's an element of visualization in those uh, relaxations that allows the mind to sort of see the journey uh, through a story. And it means that you're really not thinking in a way that you normally think about things. It's all guided uh, imagery and it really helps. And so the, and the, so those are two things that I've been doing on my own. Um, and I'm now working with uh, a friend of mine that I met through Dreamers and Doers also, um, uh, called Vanessa, Vanessa Cameron. And she founded a company called Ice Park Collective. She's at the very beginning of it and it matches coaches and, uh, and, uh, uh, the, the people that would need that particular coach. And we are working on a, really on a workshop to empower women from the inside so we're calling it <laughs> empowered, um, and we've identified seven qualities that we think are really important in leaders, and we're using those to uh, well, we're using those as a basis for my workshop, which is or for a big workshop that we're creating and that I'm going to lead, and it's basically a very introspective workshop that gives all the participants time to, again, reflect, consider their behaviors, consider what they'd like to change, create an action plan in order to change it, and then go through Yogi Nidra to really integrate that change through the mind to pre-think. So uh, a lot of the work that I do is based on on neuroscience, it's based on the brain, and... um, that's that's one of the ways that we can help ourselves to change is really pre-thinking things. Um, I can go into yeah. that. I no, no, go, keep going, keep going. Go I'm, I'm just listening. <laughs> okay. All means. So, yeah, there's this, this, you know, one of the brain's organizing principles is that basically you're either scanning for threats or, or looking for rewards. And so the threats are very, very <laughs> varied. It could be so many different things. And we're constantly looking for them. When we're in a state of threat, we can't be, we can't think rationally because the resources that our brain needs to think rationally are going to dealing with the threat, basically. And so if we're doing all this pre-thinking, right, we're thinking, okay, well, if when this happens, I'm going to do this. So we're creating that path. We're creating this, this, uh, this sense of, I know exactly what I need to do, means that when you're in that state of threat, you don't need to be thinking about what you're going to do because you've already pre-thought it. You already know what you're going to do. And it allows you to start changing your habits, start changing your behaviors, your, your, your 
mental habits or your emotional habits into a new behavior. And so that's what we're really doing with both with Vanessa and with my own work is just allowing everyone to think deep, plan, reflect, and then act. It's, uh, it's kind of the, <laughs> the cycle, if you like. And with, with your company and with the, the new thing you're working on as well, how are you finding people to join these workshops, targeting, you know, thinking about who you want to work with and who, is, who this would be most beneficial for? How are you approaching that? Yeah, actually, it's a, it's a great question. It, it started, you know, through, and it still is, actually. It's a lot of referrals. Um, I have learned to tap into my network and to just talk to people. You know, I think coaching is one of those jobs where you work with people. That's that's what's important, right? The no, like every coach or or teachers, for that matter. You know, we I would hope that we go into it because we want to help others grow. We want to see other people change, and so people is or people are really the the <laughs> what we need. And so one of the ways that I I um, think about you know getting clients is really, well, I need to talk to people. I need to be out there and making myself um, available for people. And so I go to a lot of networking events. Um, I choose a lot of networking events to go to. I talk to people. I give them my card. I offer them uh, free sessions. I And uh, create relationships because that's what coaching is about. It's about understanding others and others getting to know you and creating that trust and that relationship. So that's really the way it's been going to events, talking to people, tapping into my network and really building those relationships. Um, for the workshops, it, you know, it's funny because it always, it often ends up being uh, people that I know who maybe I've done a free coaching session for and they're like oh i want to come in and do this or they're very small workshops mm -hmm. i only have six people i never have more than that because I, I want it to stay intimate um and so it's often people who've been or through coaching with me or they bring their friends and then their friends bring their friends and uh you know or become coaching clients sometimes uh, yeah, so it's really it's really about networking and just just talking to people <laughs> and being nice and being helpful, you know, and just just showing that you care because that's in the end that's what it's about. That's yeah, that's what I want to do. Is I want to I want to help people. I want to help you know get them unstuck and and see and be a rebel and be whoever they want to be and do the things that they want to do. And, so that's, and um, with that, yeah, what I, ten, I know you said, like, you know, helping people get unstuck, get out of their own way type of thing. What are some of the main challenges or obstacles people are facing and come to you with or trying to overcome? Hmm. It's really, okay. it's, it's very hard. varied. It's very, very varied. Um, and, uh, and I love that because I, I I don't know. I think, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you have to have a niche and whatever. And I, I, I don't believe that. I think that um, 
as a life coach, you know, if you're in my leadership work, it's different. I think you do have to know what you're talking about. Um, but as a life coach, it's, uh, if you have a life, then you're a person <laughs> that I can work with. Like, and so, um, a lot of, you know, a lot of my clients come for one thing and we dig deeper and find that they actually have come from something different for something different. So I work with women who are not feeling good about their job and they're considering maybe leaving their job. They don't quite know how to do that. Um, and after we work together, some of them decide to stay in their job and, and go for promotion or, or they decide to leave. Um, I have clients who have already left their jobs and they're kind of in that, I have zero idea what I'm doing. Um, you know, um, time of their life. And so we work on creating that vision and, and actually making that vision come to life. Um, I have clients who are wanting to become better leaders. And so we work mostly on leadership, but it's interesting that even through that, you'll always end up working through mindset and it all comes back to the same uh, principles of confidence, trusting yourself, being able to listen to yourself, all of those things. And I think that because my clients are women, a lot of times we, a lot of the time, we spend a lot of time um, just sort of busting some myths and some uh, ideas that are, <laughs> given to us by society by you know a lot of a lot of our environment but i work <laughs> with so many different people it's hard to it's hard to yeah, narrow it sounds down like it makes it interesting like different for you or use different skills you have yeah. as well and and with with yes. that i'm just i'm curious cause the lots of different struggles that these people are having but one of the ones i want to dig into is the careers a little bit more a lot of people don't know what they want to do for a job. Like you mentioned, if they should stay yeah. in a job, they should quit the job. What are some of the things you would mention to people or, mm. or help them with or tell them about in that regard? Yeah, I would say, you know, always, um, the first thing I always, I always say is like, be safe. Be safe because like in terms of financial security, for example, I, I would say don't quit your job on on a whim kind of thing because then you're going to be desperate and that's the worst place to be. I think that in order for us to really understand where we want to go, again, we need to slow down and we need to take the time to really reflect. And in order to have that time, you can't be in that state of threat that I mentioned earlier, right? You have to be in a state where or in a place where you can... Um, allow yourself give yourself yeah. permission to reflect so i think that's the that's the first thing um and then it's really about that it's really about okay what is it that you're doing now that you love what is it that you don't love what are the we we look at a lot of the emotional um charge that goes with perhaps leaving a job or changing careers and you know, what is it that you have now? What are the skills that you have now? We observe a lot of patterns of emotional patterns around that job. And 
what are the skills that you need to build so let's let's think about your purpose let's think about your values how do they align with this job right now maybe they don't anymore and that's okay let's look at jobs that do align do some research look at linkedin talk to people go to networking events do all of those things i think it's give yourself the time to explore give the set yourself the time to to once you've sort of established that vision and i think working with someone you know whether it's a coach or a close friend or a mentor or whoever it is working with someone will help you to clarify your vision clarify where you want to go and once you have that then start to build the skills you know a lot of people say but i i don't know how to do this i don't have and i, I how how can i do this i don't i don't know anything about blah 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 it's like well no but you think that all the people who <laughs> right. started knew everything about it no they didn't so so you know go to classes learn teach yourself um and that's why i talk about this financial security because you want to be able to do that you want to be able to train yourself and that takes time and it takes money most of the time although right you know at this time in in uh, in existence, we're so lucky because there's so much online that we can do for free. Um, but I'd say, yeah, explore, explore, spend time exploring. That's that's the main, to me, that's the main thing is give yourself, allow yourself that time because you don't want to make a decision that's based on being desperate. You want to make a decision that will allow you to grow, be satisfied and that's the right decision for you, not just a decision that you're making <laughs> because you have to make a decision and you have to right. find a job. Thank you for that. And, yeah. you know, kind of transitioning from obviously all the work you've done helping others and with international education, with your, with your company now as well, I'm curious on you personally, how are you growing? How do you learn and develop? What types of things are you doing? Yeah, um, this year has been, well, this, this past year and a half has been a crazy learning curve for me um, because, as I mentioned earlier, working in schools, you are very sheltered. So I've had to educate myself in so many ways. Like I've, <laughs> I've never had to have a website. I've never had to, uh, you know, I've never had to sell myself. Yeah. Like I, I worked in a school, you know, I had to deal with parents relationships so i'm super good at the the talking to people and being with people and all of that stuff but all the business side oh my god i i <laughs> i'm not a business person i i've come to realize that um very early on so i've had to educate myself in so many ways and i i really believe in outsourcing to people who know what they're doing because i tried to do everything myself and i couldn't but that's, you know, that's been an area where I've had to grow and I've had to learn. And so that's one thing. Um, I continue to work with a coach, which is also, you know, a fantastic way of growing. Um, I've, I'm taking courses. Um, so I, I did my uh, coach certificate or my coach training with the Neuroleadership Institute and uh, I'm now starting my training to actually become a ICF um, certified coach. Um, so that's another 
way that I'm continuing to grow. And yeah, and and I think those yeah. two right now, those are the big things. Um, but I, I constantly, I can't remember a time, honestly, throughout my whole career when I wasn't learning something. I, I remember when I was, so when I finished my master's, I, it was just when I moved to New York, then I did a, a storytelling class for 10 weeks, you know, and I, I was telling stories at the mouth. I was like, so just constantly doing things that interest you. I did a memoir writing class and all of those things come together in one way or another. They've helped me in my job. So I think whatever it is that interests you and that is different from your work find it and and go do it and learn it really learn it take a class but yeah that's that's what i that's what i do and yeah so and for that i'm guessing so through the coaching and getting certified that's a lot of reading different materials to learn from that <laughs> were there any other books or podcasts or audiobooks that you particularly like um yeah lots lots and lots um i i love podcasts that are uh that just allow me to learn about a lot of different stuff so i <laughs> you're gonna laugh but i love side hustle school i think it's a really, <laughs> chris gillibo yeah, yeah. i love that website it's yeah it's a great one it's a quick one mm -hmm. and i've learned mm -hmm. so much about just little things about you know running a business or or getting ideas or um so i love side hustle school um, <laughs> it's a really good yeah. one. Yeah, I do like that. As um, well. I really love Note to Self. Um, uh, have you heard of it? I have not. What it's is really that? It's really cool. It's uh, it's this woman Manush Samarodi, and she talks about um, tech and tech in the you know in the world today. And she does a lot of a lot of studies. She's just uh, come out with a book called Bored and Brilliant, and it's just about allowing ourselves to to be bored. Um, so note to self, it's about tech and our relationship to it, um, as adults and as children. So she had like an episode on ghosting and just a lot of, a lot <laughs> of really cool ideas about tech that I would never, you know, really think about otherwise. I love that one. Um, HBR had a really cool podcast called women at work. They don't have a lot of episodes, which is really annoying. <laughs> I want more. Disappointing. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, I love hidden brain um, and invisibilia. Both of them are about um, the brain and things that, you know, and the way, the way the brain works and uh, make it very accessible. I love United States of anxiety. Um, as a non-American, I feel that I really need to educate myself on American history, culture. You know, I've never understood certain concepts as I understand them now after having lived in the U.S., like racism, things like that, you know, discrimination. Yeah. So I feel that United States of Anxiety has been a really good way for me to, to learn. Um what else? Uh, I have a, a good friend who has a, pod, a podcast called You, uh, you Want to Do What, which is, again, about jobs. And you might like that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just Go Grind, of course. You know, got to say. Yes. yes. <laughs> good, good plug. <laughs> well done. Of course, of course. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, and I love storytelling podcasts, too. I love This American Life and The Moth. Because it, 
again, you know, my job is about people. So I want to, hearing stories, hearing people's stories really helps you to reflect. And it, I find it helps you to understand others better. So those are podcasts that I listen to regularly. Uh, okay. Books. Um, I love brain stuff. I recently, I'll just give you a couple of examples. Recently, I read a book by uh, Matt Lieberman. It's called Social, Why Our Brains Are Wired to Connect. Um, absolutely loved it. Uh, there's one called How Emotions Are Made, which is also super, super interesting. Um, and the latest one I'm reading right now, and I haven't finished it, but I love it. It's called Rebel Talent. It's by a um, Harvard Business School uh, professor called Francesca Gino. And she talks about you know, pushing ourselves and just those small rebellious acts that we can do, but that are not sort of over the line. So you're still, you're within the fringe, but you're not kind of thing. And so, <laughs> but, but kind of not. <laughs> yeah, but kind of not. And it's kind of, you know, pushing yourself and also pushing boundaries. And I've really, I love this book. So if anyone's uh, listening and wants a really great read, that's the one. Um, and audiobooks I'm not so good with. I, I like paper. I like to listen to podcasts and read paper. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that works. There's so many different mediums to consume, to consume content. It's yes. all about, yeah, whatever works for you, exactly. you know? Exactly. And podcasts, like, obviously, I'm a huge podcast fan. Listen to them for probably the last six years, maybe. Yeah. Um, and then obviously read a lot of books too, but in business school, it's a little busy. Yeah. <laughs> There's certain books I have to for read for that. Sure. So I haven't had a lot of these or time. Sure. What's your favorite podcast? <laughs> um, I can actually look at one. So Tim Ferriss's podcast, mm -hmm. um, that's Tim Ferriss experience. Yeah. I think it's just called, that's probably one of my favorites. I do like the Chris Gillibo side hustle school, yeah. um, Joe Rogan's podcast. Oh, I don't know that one. Um, for anyone getting into, anyone getting into business, smart passive income with Pat Flynn, that's a that's a pretty big one for anyone in business wanting to start their own online business or whatever it may be. That one I've listened to for years and years, and he has I don't know, just a wide variety of guests that help you in many different ways. And I've I've learned personally like my growth as an entrepreneur type of thing. Um, I think that's been one of the big ones. And then the last one I'd mention would be School of Greatness with Lewis House. School kind of an inspirational mode. School. School of Greatness oh, cool. with yeah. Lewis Howes. Uh -huh. Yeah. So that's one as well where um, kind of sharing interview style with different people um, in that way. Nice. And then there's like those type of podcasts. And then there's also some like more recently with a different idea I'm working on. It's like machine learning. So I'm learning machine learning through podcast form just whenever I can. Mm -hmm. And so there's like one called like machine learning guide. I think it's the main one I've been listening to, um, but that one's been cool as well. So there's those. And then like the last one I'd say uh, for sure would be like couples therapy with uh, Candace and Casey. So Casey's a big YouTube guy in uh, video maker, filmmaker in, in New York city actually. Uh -huh. And then him, his wife has her own company as well, a jewelry company called Billy. Um, and then they have a, a podcast just kind of hashing out their yeah. relationship and other things. It's just very entertaining. Cool. And so it's one of the ones where, uh, yeah, I've been listening to that, but those are a few of the, of the many I have yeah, in, the, yeah. in the queue. Very cool. Thank you. I've <laughs> but, noted all of them. So they're on my list. Yes. <laughs> and if you want more, we can definitely chat more because I do have a few more, but, um, just to kind of wrap things up, I, 
so far it's been amazing with all the things like you've done international education lead with a twist so many different things you've done i'm just curious now like what do you think makes for a great career it's a hard question to answer because i think it's a very personal thing it's a, it really depends on people um but i think two main things for me are number one if you understand your impact or your purpose if you like like if you know that you're you're hitting the world in in the world in in many different ways or if you understand the ripples of your work and you can see that you're doing something that's a little bigger than you that's impacting others to me that's a fantastic career um impacting others positively i'm going to ask <laughs> i'm going to add <laughs> um but to me that's a great career if you feel fulfilled and that your purpose is fulfilled and also there's that the feeling of flow right the concept of flow of that moment where you're totally in the zone and you're you're so into your work that anything can happen you wouldn't know because you're just so focused on what you're doing if your career can allow you to have some of those moments then to me that's a fantastic career too it's so not, yeah go ahead yeah I, i think there's not really an answer because everyone is so different but to something that allows you to get lost in it that allows you to continue to grow and that allows you to see your impact your impact yeah and i love Of the response, and I love asking the question because I think everyone does have a different answer, and that's on purpose. I know they will, but yeah. but there always are some similarities, and I'm curious how people approach that. And I think it's helpful for people to understand that there's a lot of different things that go into a career and what makes a great career. And it's important because obviously the amount of time you spend at work is is huge, and that's a huge part of your life. So it yeah. is very important, and I appreciate the answer. <laughs> Thank you. Well, yeah, but it's so true. Yeah, and. And just to wrap it up, where can people find you online? And yeah, where can they get in, co in contact with you? Yeah, um, I would love for anyone to get in touch with me. I'm at uh, leadwithatwist.com and uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. It's leadwithatwist uh, underscore coaching. I am on Facebook and Yeah, so get in touch, get in touch. <laughs> LinkedIn, you know, mention that uh, you heard me on the podcast and I would love to to be in touch. Yes, and I will link all those to, uh, in the show notes, justgogrind.com slash podcast. You're just going to click on her episode and then, uh, yeah, we, we will be able to basically ask, access all that links. It'll be much easier that way as well. But just want to make sure people, if they're listening, can go through that directly. Thank you so much for the time today, Dominique. I really appreciate it. Thank you. That was amazing. I I, I love talking about myself. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone does. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I, I yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was it was great, and I loved your questions. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind with Dominique Moss from Lead with a Twist. You can find all the show notes over at justgogrind.com/podcast. Support the show at patreon.com/justgogrind, and leave a rating and review over in iTunes. Really hope you've been enjoying this show. It's been a great time making it and interviewing all these different guests. If you want a certain guest, anyone in particular, let me know. Reach out to me at justin at justgogrind.com. Have a great day. Bye.